You're listening to Beltway Beef, official commentary from the National Cattlemen's Beef Association's Washington, D.C. office. Hey there, everybody. Welcome back to the Beltway Beef podcast. This is Ashley, and today I'm joined by Caitlin Glover, and she is an executive director here at NCBA, and Caitlin is in charge of our our C team, um, what we call our, our climate and our natural resources and environment portfolio here at NCBA. So thanks for being on the podcast. Well, thanks for having me back, Ashley. Well, today I wanted to talk to you about a word that I feel like we have all heard a lot lately and kind of get to the bottom of, of why this is becoming such a buzzword, but sustainability. I feel like you can't pick up the newspaper or go anywhere without seeing that word. Um, and we've heard it a lot in the news, a lot on Capitol Hill. Can you tell us why it's become such a buzzword lately? I, I can't tell you why it's become a buzzword lately, but you're exactly right. It is just that. It's it, it's a buzzword. And, and I think that it is, um, it, it means something different to whoever you talk to, whether you're talking about agriculture, you're talking to a producer, a consumer, a legislator, or a regulator, it's going to mean something a little bit different to each of them. But because it is a buzzword, it's it's sort of all-encompassing. You know, for us here at NCBA, it's a great way, and it, and it really is sort of an all-inclusive way to be able to talk about ecology or climate or environment and mix that conversation in, in a really meaningful way uh, with the economic sustainability and the durability uh, of our operations, and then also with the on-the-ground realism, the, the cultural, the socioeconomic, the social aspect as well, uh, and really wrap it into this this word that is both nebulous but in, in every conversation um, that we have. In this administration, uh, you know, we've talked a lot before about how uh, every decision that this administration makes, uh, every every conversation that they have, and even every bill that they, they support or, or engage with in Congress is going to be considered through the lens of climate. What does it mean for the environment, for the water, for the air, for the wildlife, for, for these other things? Uh, and, and so when we're talking about sustainability, it, it does have an inherently environmental focus. You know, we have whole committees in Congress to talk about environmental impacts and, and to legislate environmental uh, bills and, and procedures. Um, but really, you know, we, we're hearing these conversations about sustainability not just in those environmental committees, but in, in financial areas and, and in practical areas as well. Uh, it is a buzzword. It is, it is the word of the day. Um, but it is one of those words that, that I don't think is going away. And so it's, it's one of those, um, those buzzwords that, that is really have, has been integrated into a lot, of, a lot of what we do. Yeah, well, that's all really helpful background to know. And one thing you said is that it's a word that you don't think is going away. And I feel like for some cattle producers, that might be a scary sentence to hear because I think historically, the cattle industry specifically has gotten maybe a bad rap when it comes to this word. But I think right now, um, you know, I know NCBA specifically is trying to change the narrative on that, that the cattle industry isn't necessarily a problem, but it certainly can be part of the solution. And so can you walk us through, you know, why the industry may have gotten that bad rap? And, and what are we doing to change and, and fix that narrative? 
Sure. So I, I think that there are a couple different things. I think first, um, when you look at uh, the, an industry or from an industrial perspective, um, you know, a lot of times when we talk about the cattle industry, we talk about uh, what what comes out. We talk about our products, uh, and so you know, the, there has been the the inclination or the tendency to talk about what comes out of the cattle industry. These greenhouse gas. Uh, figures and factors, you know, emissions, uh, and, and those numbers haven't always been communicated clearly either by the government um, or by other authorities using those figures. And, and the facts are clear. Uh, cattle production is responsible for less than 2% of greenhouse gas emissions in the United States. But that's sort of sometimes said without context. And so what we're trying to do um, and what we have been doing is to provide context that um, not only is it an incredibly small portion of those greenhouse gas emissions, but what's accompanied by the process that's accompanied by, by that product, you know, in addition to the high quality beef, in addition to all of those other good things we produce, the, the process uh, to raise cattle in this country uh, has a, a lot of, of other sort of tangential but also directly associated benefits. Uh, yes, you know, there, there is legislation and regulation specifically about emissions. There's legislation and regulation specifically about some of these other, other products, right? But where we're really seeing, I think, some potential and, and an opportunity in legislation and regulation in that process uh, is in the recognition that grazing can be a tool to prevent catastrophic wildfire. So to prevent those, again, emissions or the, the, that particulate matter that comes from catastrophic wildfire. Grazing is an immense tool to protect a wildlife habitat, to, to cultivate um, a really specific and a really healthy uh, forage profile and, and plant um, community to promote biodiversity in those native plants and keep those bad invasive species at bay. You know, there, there are all of these other, you know, on the ground, very realistic impacts that, that we don't really talk about because for some people, especially if they're not a farmer or rancher, those are, those are harder uh, to conceptualize. They're not tangible benefits. You know, we talk about everybody wanting clean air and clean water. Those are things that are universal, right? And the way to get clean air clean water, healthy environments, happy wildlife, high quality protein and very happy cattle. Um, the way to do that is, is really well-managed grazing. Uh, and and that's, that is part of the, the solution here. You know, for, for so often, for, for, for so long, we so often talked about, you know, protecting that open space. Uh, and that is incredibly important, whether you're talking about public lands or you're talking about prever uh, preventing conversion uh, of private lands. Um, but those open spaces, they, taking that a step further, that those open spaces need to be open, but they also need to be as healthy as possible. Uh, and cattle producers are, are the ones who manage for that best possible outcome. Well, I think it's really important, all the things that you just shared there, because I think there's just such a broader story to be told and, and to help folks understand that. Um, but, you know, earlier you said that with the Biden administration, there's going to be a climate nexus on a lot of the things that they do. Uh, can you just kind of walk us through some of the things that you think might be rolling out there that producers should be aware of? 
Sure. And, and there are going to be, I think, quite a number. So if we go back to the first days of the administration, and, and I truly mean the first days or the first hours, probably, uh, you know, we saw some executive orders coming out uh, about um, restoring uh, some some science, uh, using the best available science in uh, scientific analysis, environmental analysis. Uh, there was also an executive order about tackling the climate crisis that was, again, sort of that regulatory review to a assess each of these regulations, whether they um, address to the, you know, to the administration standards, address those climate and environmental questions. Uh, but there, there has been a continued build on, on that climate, um, that climate platform, that climate profile. Uh, you know, it, in, in the Department of the Interior, you have a lot of uh, discussions going on about how public lands uh, can be part of this build back better. Uh, campaign that the president has, has undertaken, uh, but you also have this discussion about how to harness the capacity of these public lands, um, not only for, for, for multiple use, you know, for recreation, for grazing, for, for, um, for, for wildlife, um, but also, you know, some of the, the climactic um, attributes as well. You know, how do we prevent these catastrophic wildfires that are, are so harmful? You know, the study coming out of the Pacific Northwest saying that wildfire smoke and its contents can be up to 10 times more harmful to for human consumption, for, for the air, um, than other pollutants. How can we harness the potential of public lands to combat those questions? At the De Department of Agriculture, you have a lot of conversations as well about what a carbon bank or, or uh, incentives for producers could look like. You know, NCBA continues to believe that the best way to um, have producers have have cattle, um, you know, these, this this husbandry, this stewardship, those really responsible stewards, to have them be part of that conversation and have them be as effective as possible uh, is to make those incentives voluntary to use the solutions that are already on the ground and, and, and adapt them and make them as effective as possible. Um, regulating into a scenario is, is not going to be uh, a successful, uh, the successful way to do it. Uh, you always prefer an incentive-based uh, and that's where, where we really find ourselves um, placing a lot of priority in these conversations. Uh, there, of course, uh, again, sort of going back to this, this ongoing discussion, uh, Secretary Vilsack in his uh, confirmation hearing before the Senate was talking about, you know, what a carbon bank uh, could look like, what some of these uh, additional tools could look like, whether it's um, expanding or, or more robust supports for farm bill conservation programs, or whether it's another uh, monetization structure entirely. As we go through this administration, you, you see a, a lot of, um, I think, a lot of engagement from the Hill. You see a lot of engagement from stakeholders, uh, because again, whether it's this issue or, or any of the others that, that come before our producers, our producers have the answers. And it's our job to make sure uh, that those answers, those solutions, those incredibly good tools are led from our grassroots. Uh, we, we have a, a very strong uh, grassroots policy um, process. We have a lot of really engaged producers um, who can give us the, the, the skinny from, from California all the way to Georgia and everywhere in between. Uh, because anything that this administration or any other administration should do uh, should be led by those who are going to be um, 
who are going to be the most impacted and who are going to be uh, the leading part of that solution. Yeah, I think that's a good point. And you talk a lot about grassroots advocacy. And something that I know a lot of us say around here is that all politics ultimately comes down to being local. And so to your point of grassroots and, and how important that is, how can producers get involved? How should they go about telling their story? Um, you know, quickly as we wrap up our time together today, what are some of your best tips and, and tricks and advice there? So I, I think, you know, the, to be engaged, to to tell the story, um, you, you know, we use these phrases a lot, and, and I find myself uh, increasingly thinking about maybe talking about it differently. You know, it's not that producers need to, to tell their story, because they live their story, right? They live these solutions. And so, you know, one of the things I think that, you know, as we're going through, uh, whether we're talking about sustainability and going through the transition to a new buzzword or a new framework, or as we're working through these policy issues, you know, really making sure that we are, are all using our, our uh, ha- having a consistent uh, platform that, you know, that we are all saying that, you know, we, we protect this habitat. And, and, and you, Ashley, in, in California might do it a little bit different than I do it in Montana. And that's different, again, to the way uh, someone else does it in Georgia. But, but we're all achieving that same end. We have multifaceted benefits. And so, you know, from, from use of social media, from engagement with us here at NCBA, continuing to be engaged, although sometimes behind a computer screen, uh, with with our members of Congress, really hammering home that not only are our producers part of the conversation, they're leading the conversation. They have been leading the conversation because they have been living this this word, this this theory, this this um, concept. They're operations are proof of sustainability in practice, economically, ecologically, uh, and and, and socially as well. Whether you're a first-generation producer who's coming in because they have have worked their tail off to to enter this market and they're adopting the most innovative practices to make sure that they get top dollar, or whether you're a seventh or eighth generation producer down the line who has truly been the definition of sustainable and had that longevity demonstrating this truth and practice uh, and and this consistency, this consistent demonstration uh, will continue to be uh, not only really important, uh, but really well received here in Washington as well. Yeah, that's great. It sounds like it's less about reinventing the wheel and more about telling the story of the great work that folks are already doing. Um, So thank you so much for being on the podcast today. I think this is a a really important message for elected officials, for producers, for consumers, for everybody to hear. Um, So thanks for for sharing what you do every single day, Caitlin. Well, thanks for having me, Ashley. It's, It's a pleasure. This has been another episode of Beltway Beef, official commentary from the National Cattlemen's Beef Association's Washington, D.C. office. Don't forget to check us out online at policy.ncba.org or catch the podcast wherever you get your podcasts, including Spotify at Beltway Beef, also on Twitter at Beltway Beef. We'll see you next time.